Generation Exiled is now sponsored by All Seal Insulation. Is your power bill too high? We'll call Les Pitts at All Seal Insulation for a free estimate. That's right, estimates are free. In most cases, All Seal Insulation can lower your power bill by 20% a month, paying for itself. All Seal Insulation can spray insulation into new buildings and attics, subfloors, crawl spaces, metal buildings, moisture barriers, underneath houses, and much more. Remember, call Les Pitts and his team at All Seal Insulation at 601-508-7593. You can find them on Facebook and LinkedIn at All Seal Insulation, or you can email them at allsealinsulation at gmail.com. Once again, that number is 601-508-7593. All Seal Insulation. Everybody, welcome back to Generation Exile. I'm Landis, and this is Daryl. And we got a special guest in the house tonight. We got Mr. Aaron Nichols. Aaron, what's up, what's up guys? Good to see y'all. That's right. All right, so we're discussing third parties, and honestly, me, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, so I'm very interested in a third party because obviously the other two aren't really doing much for the American people. They like to say that they are, but you can one wish in one hand, shit in the other. And we all know how that goes. So, my first question is this. What is a libertarian? We were talking a little bit before we went live here, and I'll probably get corrected if there's a comment section on this. But, you know, for me personally, libertarians um, believe in free markets, um, the freedom to love, marry who you want, um, you don't have to be a, uh, you can be a social conservative and still be a libertarian. A lot of people, especially in the, um, Republican party, you know, they like to, especially candidates, they like to say, I'm a, I'm a social conservative, you know, and all this and almost marry themselves politically and privately. And I, and I just don't believe in that. I mean, so for me, a libertarian is someone who, goes by the motto of live and let live, you know, live mm. your life how you want to, but let other people don't use the legal framework to dictate what other people are and are. Now there's a fine line. Obviously we could go on and on about the, the social issues of abortion and gay marriage. Those are the two biggest things, but um, I just don't think that you have to marry yourself politically and privately um, when you walk into the ballot box. Um, I think you can, you know, this country was founded by um, 
Christians in light during the Enlightenment um, when philosophy was being studied, you know. So, um, libertarianism is classical liberalism. If that, if you know, so it's it's a um, it's it's. So you're saying it's kind of what Democrats used to be. Right, right. It's it's a um, you know. It's it's just such a broad, it's a broad word, but politically politically for me, it means limited government. What Republicans say they therefore like mm-hmm. super limited government. Um, a lot of libertarians believe in uh, that any amendment to the con- or any legislation that's passed, the name of that uh, bill must reflect the content. So you can't like pork roll the spending on a bill that's like kind of like our last relief package, right? We're going to say it's uh, um, relief, but we're going to put in some know, so very underhanded shit. Libertarians are extremely skeptical of government. Okay, you know? so they're they're very reluctant to give them. Uh, they would like to see that a lot of the federal agencies um, move back to the state or abolished altogether. That's a, that's a big. You know, okay. libertarians also. So Danny yeah, Bedwell, lean more towards state rights, more or less. Right, Danny Bedwell. He's ran for Congress up in the first district several times. But Danny does a great job of explaining nationalism versus federalism, and I'm not talking nationalism like white nationalism. I'm talking nationalism as in how our government, um, the federal government, is their role and responsibility compared to the states. So. You know, we don't believe in a hierarchy where this is the federal. A lot of people think that, you know, 99% of Americans probably believe that the federal government, because of the supremacy clause, that they're superior to the states. And that's not that's not it at all. They're two different entities that share two totally different roles. There is no there is no hierarchy in, in the government. So the states have their rights and responsibilities and anything not specifically enumerated in the constitution should be left up to the states and it doesn't this um loose constructionism of interpreting the constitution that says it's basically the belief that well it doesn't say we can't do this so that means we can that's not it because uh, the tenth amendment we all know it says you know um any issue not covered by the first nine should be left up to the states Okay. Not, it's not covered, so therefore federal government has 100% jurisdiction over all of these rights and responsibilities. Also, you have uh, judges who use loose constructionism to interpret the Constitution. Um, that's a big thing within the Libertarian Party, too. Like, uh, Well, it's instead of having natural rights, which is the right to bear arms, um, in the First Amendment, it is um, freedom of speech, freedom of press, right to assemble, um, freedom of religion, and right to redress for grievances. So those are natural rights. Democrats, and especially super progressive people, believe in what's called uh, positive rights. So these are not negative rights, like the right to bear arms or the right to uh, free speech. But positive rights, healthcare, 
Um, like universal health care for all American citizens. Right. That's a, that's a positive. That's a positive right. Found nowhere in the Constitution whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Or but minimum, it doesn't say that or they a minimum can't, wage. So that means the judges have free reign to say. It, it's not because the Second Amendment is very clear. You know, in restricting. You see, these aren't rights. the The Bill of Rights wasn't created to give us rights. They exist. They're codified into law by the Bill of Rights, but they exist regardless of that document it was ever written or not. That's what that's what a, that's what that means is these rights exist regardless of this document exists or not. So it wasn't the anti-federalists because I'm a big Jeffersonian. I believe that he was a true federalist, and that the big central government guys like Alexander Hamilton were were not federalists at all. They were big. Uh, they were what you call a, nas- a nationalist, right? You know, someone that's like strong central government. You know, we can we can talk about that, but you have to have um, you know specifically enumerated in the Constitution, like it. You know, it has to be, it has to be. But it's just a lazy way they use the judicial system as a linchpin to pass their their agenda. You know, um, at free will because. You know, it doesn't say that they can't, so that means they can't. No, I mean, but what I was what I was about to say about Jefferson and the Bill of Rights, they came back with that, the Bill of Rights, not to give people rights. They already existed, but that's a restraint. If you real if you if you look at it, it's a restraint on the federal government. It's not a to say how the Bill far of you rights, can step over it's, this it's line. kind of a misnomer. Okay. You know, it's it's the Bill of Rights, yeah, but they created the Bill of Rights because Alexander Hamilton and them were uber, uh, you know, um, they were hyper federal government is should central, big, 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 big central government. And that's what we've become. You know, they, they right. won their side won over. That's why we have all of these. We went from four cabinet members to, to 25. Now, yeah. You know? Um, but the bill of rights exists regardless of the, you know, so there is no abolishing the Second Amendment. The right to bear arms is a natural right. Whether it's on paper or not. Right. Give it, you know, so the Bill of Rights were was a rebuttal to the original Articles of um, the original, not Articles of Confederation, but the original Constitution. They were like, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll take your, we'll ratify your Constitution, but we need to ratify these First Amendments, too. They were the First Amendments, you know. To the Constitution, so um, this idea that they can be abolished or something like that's that's not a yeah. I'm pretty. We we kind of declared in the last episode when we talked about the Second Amendment that there's a big part in there, especially at the end of the second says shall not be infringed. Right, it's a restraint. That it's means a, it's a restraint. It is what it is. Don't fuck with Just it. Just like people saying that you know um, Colin Kaepernick can't kneel, um, or yeah, he can't kneel. It's not a uh, it's an infringement on his free freedom of speech. Uh, no, though, that's a private company. The government isn't restricting his free speech. That's what the First Amendment protects. Mm-hmm. The First Amendment doesn't protect an employer uh, or doesn't prohibit an employer from uh, basically putting a muzzle on you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it doesn't it doesn't apply that way. It only applies to the government. That's that's my point. Is that you know, okay. Idea, right? All right. So my next question. All right. So Daryl, you're a libertarian. 
Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like maybe he may have missed or is there anything that you want to elaborate on or, or do you feel like you got some views that are a little different than his, but y'all still kind of meet in the middle? No, everything he said was, uh, on point. It's just, uh, there are different views and like what he was telling you when we first started, um, what, what a libertarian, you know, what, how I see them is, is the, the reason why I think they'll work is they're very, you don't mess with me, I don't mess with you kind of a thing. Uh, I, I know where Aaron was going, he all, with the government, like, you know, you're right. There's an extent where we can't just not have things like police and things like that. We can't privatize everything, but a lot of the libertarian principles make sense and they follow the constitution, uh, a lot more than it seems like the other two parties did. Uh, I'm not very conservative at all and y'all all grew up with me both of y'all did and y'all kind of know that but i am not also very super liberal either in the fact that i grew up here in the bible belt with you guys and went to church with you guys so like the libertarian like way made a lot of made a lot of sense to me in in the fact of like voting for them i never thought in a million years that uh which they haven't even came close to winning a presidency anyway obviously, but I never thought in a million years that even if there was a libertarian president that like they would make it to like canceling government because that'll just never work. But no. lowering it a little bit would be nice. We have gotten out of hand and that's a whole nother topic. But Yeah, I mean, my, my um, attraction to the libertarian party came because I felt like after Obama that, you know, during the Obama years, I was super, and I, I still am, like I said, you can be conservative and have conservative views without the mindset that we must create all of these laws and live in some kind of hyper conservative, like, handmaid's tale. Like, I mean, because seriously, there's a too Ooh. far right and too far left, right. you know, like, that's too far right, you know, mm -hmm. when the Puritans... Uh, we're having the Salem witch trials and stuff. That that's a that's a an example of going too far, right? It's almost like they had a good idea and then they drank too much of the Kool Aid and started going so off. So America, America, conservative. The people that are in identity politics, which I was for many years. Listen, I listened to to Beck, to Rush, to Hannity. Rest watched, in peace, Rush. Uh, mm -hmm. Watched, um, you know, Hannity, uh, Bill O'Reilly at night. You know, it was, it was, it consumed me. And that's all. And I posted constantly about politics and engaged with my brother, Stephen. And, you know, it was awesome. It was a good learning experience. But I realized that these, this, you know, identity politics is the problem in America. Like, to me, the Libertarian Party was a way for people, Democrats and, and conservatives to join a party and say, look, this, this, uh, duopoly, which is what it is 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 not working out um they have these theatrical hearings on c-span all day and then they go play golf and eat dinner together they're friends and they you know my good friend from delaware you know like it's it's really no different they go back and they preach these talking points to their constituents and then they go to dc and it's really we have one party and there is no like that other than the social issues uh, when it comes to spending, when it comes to balanced budget, when it comes to 
especially military spending. Yeah, I was going like, to say war. Um, you can't tell them apart. They're all there's hawks on both sides. Very few. Thomas Massey, Justin Amash. There's very very few. Uh, Rand Paul. There's very few congressmen that are willing to put their foot down on on the spending and say that hey, we're, this is out of control. We cannot. This is insurmountable. Right. You know, but it's just to me it was a it was a point when I realized that America. The progressives have been winning and winning and winning. And being a conservative is like, it's frustrating. So to me, I was like, I can still be a conservative and I can still um, use a a party, which I don't think it's necessary. I mean, like we were just saying, George Wallace ran as an independent in the South and won all just all of the South in 67. So. The party thing goes to money, and that goes back to Citizens United in 2010. The Supreme Court said that that super PAC money is speech, and that's wrong. That's wrong, 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 wrong. And this is something that conservatives, libertarians, and liberals all alike, me and my brother Stephen, talk about it constantly. It's something that we agree on. Money in politics is bad. Money in politics is the reason that the duopoly continues to, um, you know, wield its power and enjoy like you know because the incumbent advantage you know it's hard for a libertarian to win because the incumbent advantage just like the primaries i mean very these upsets are few and far between you know so. all right so i, I got several questions that you yeah, keep sure. me on track because no be no, no you're good it's just man there's a lot more to it than what i thought going into this so one of my questions is this our nation right now is probably more divided than it's ever been Mm, I, it, I would it, disagree, it, it, well, I'm not talking about like Jim Crow stuff, you know, and slavery and stuff. But what I'm saying is, you talk about, right? You talk about duopoly. Okay, you got your Democrats, Republicans. Okay, and that's all it is. Is just a bunch of yahoos going at it, button heads. Do you feel, or could you ever see, possibly the Libertarian Party bridging the gap? Yeah, being re- the Republican Party, like it, Lincoln was in 1860. Yeah. Do you think that is a party that could actually bring this country together? I I think it could. I think it can because, like I said, once you take the social aspect out of these uh, identity politics and we start talking about, like, real issues like military spending, like uh, poverty, racial inequality, Mm -hmm. incarceration rates, um, you know, our energy in the future, alternative energy, um, you know, the, the next wave, what is, cause energy right now is our lifeline. I mean, we can't, is, you know, I'm not like a big tree hugger, but I'm also not an idiot that thinks that we can just keep using coal and natural gas and oil. Right. We got to be coming up with something. I mean, it's just not, and I don't think it's the most efficient. I think, I think that planned op- obsolescence has a big, is a big contributor to our reliance on in the energy and our be, energy being our, our number one other than military. That's, that's really, really our number one. But it, our economy relies heavily on energy. I work in for the railroad. Right. I deliver a bunch of coal that comes from Wyoming to the power plant. I've been doing it. Or my railroad's been doing that since the seventies when they built the powerhouse, but it's just not, it's, it's not a reliable, and I don't think it's the most efficient. I think that 
I think that there is energy out there. I believe in free point energy myself, zero point energy, whatever you want to call it. I believe in free energy. What exactly is free energy? Free energy is a mechanism that can maybe use a, a booster or a starter such as gas to get going, but it's self-propellant. Um, once it gets going, it's maybe magnets or maybe wind know, turbines can, or something like that. You can use, um, you know, elements, but, um, I think it exists. I think that the government knows how screwed up our economy would be if we were to just jump off of non-renewable over, overnight. It's just not possible because right. you the jobs, yeah, it's got to be like a that. slow, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like they, a lot of the founders felt about slavery. They, it, they didn't feel like it was a wise move to just free these millions of people who were uneducated. They themselves culturally believed that they were, you know, subordinate. I mean, it was yeah. it was Stockholm syndrome. It was sad uh, times a million, but it was you know. So the same thing. Slowly over time, we will get there. You know, and we're still working on it, obviously, but. Okay. Um, it'll so, be, a, it'll be, it, it won't be, it won't take us <laughs> to get over the racial, you know, um, chaos. It won't take us near as long to get to that next, you know, clean, clean energy. Um, I, I think that's a misnomer too, but the next big thing, I mean, I think that the internal combustion engine is just, I thought like, well, what about the horsepower and all this stuff, you know, but have you seen the Cybertruck? Talking about Tesla's putting yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read serious. the specs on it. It looks, dude, it looks badass. Dude, look it up. It looks cool. It will. I'd rock it. It will kick if Elon will pay for it. Diesel's ass. Will it? Yeah. Across all specs, like across all categories, you know, zero to sixty. Um, you know, now the only the only um, downfall for now, it's going to get better is the, is the mileage, but I think they're getting like 300 to 400, maybe 500 miles, you know, so it's not, it's not much. Yeah. So it's not much difference. Not like the cars, you know, a lot of these cars are only getting like 250, 300. Really? But once the solid state battery gets here, it's coming. Uh, A solid state battery is, uh, so like a lithium battery has an anode and a cathode with an electrolyte that separate the two. And then over time, what happens is you get like shards, like stalactites is what I call mm-hmm. them, little pieces of metal. And that's why your phone will eventually, the battery will no longer work. Right. You'll have so the solid state battery doesn't more. have that problem. So that's what t- um, Elon Musk calls it, the million mile battery. It's literally a million mile battery. I mean, it could, it's rechargeable, but it'll, it'll go for way longer. It's just getting the technology and breaking it down to a small enough, you know, because... You got load and some of these, some, I think some of the Teslas have two batteries, but anyway, you, you see what I'm saying? Just like the phone got smaller and smaller, that battery will get smaller and smaller and it gets stronger. So yeah. once we get there, the internal combustion engine will be, that's why like France and England, 2040, they're done. No more, no more manufacturing internal combustion. Engine. All right. So let me ask you all this. I'm talking about bridging the gap between a divided country and I really feel like this country is divided and a lot of people don't even see it as divided because they don't realize so they that, live in eco chamber. Well, that they, they don't realize that they're choosing sides every four years because they feel like, well, I either got to vote for this piece of shit or that piece of shit because and when it's all boils down to is the common guy or lady is having to 
choose what they feel is the lesser of the two evils between Republicans and Democrats. All right, so let's say I'm a voter. I'm coming in to vote. And we have a libertarian candidate who, you know, seems to be a good candidate. But in the back of my mind, I know damn well the majority is either going to vote Democrat or Republican. How do you ever jump that hurdle and make it a reality? Well, you have to have people that are willing to understand that you're not... The lesser two evils argument is a fallacy, but when you when you boil it down to this, when you vote, when you cast your vote, one vote, one person voting for the best candidate. Mm-hmm. What often happens in third party races, and there's a name for it, forget the name of it, but it's an anomaly, or like some kind of uh, phenomenon. It's maybe it's named after a philosopher, a doctor, or a psychiatrist, or something. But it's basically when Okay, let's say I'm conservative. Mm-hmm. I vote for um, libertarian. My views are more like the Republican Party than the Democrat Party. But if I vote libertarian, I'm essentially helping the candidate that's least like my views. So what do you say to the person but, that says, okay, you're wasting your vote? That, 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 that's what I'm saying. Yes, that is correct. You are, you're essentially helping the, the person. But if everyone would vote for the candidate that they believed was best, regardless of political party, the best candidate, then no, I'm not helping. You know, it, it should, you should go to the polls and vote for the candidate that you feel like is the best candidate. I agree. Period. I agree. Period. Not, well, you know, if you vote third party, you're essentially helping this one. No, uh, I'm, I'm voting for this person because I believe, and if everybody did that, that's when the libertarians win. So what has, okay, I, I get exactly what y'all are saying. My question is this, how are you going to get them to actually do that? What is stopping them? Because let's say are Joe Schmoe. and identity politics. Identity fed, politics. Fed, by the, news, the, fed by the news. Fed by the news. And I stopped watching news, didn't it? Air quotes. When I realized the profit. These people are sensationalizing news and events for for gain, for, for monetary gain. This goes back to our third episode, Media and Mind Control. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like... Um, and the government's not going to do anything. And, and these tech giants, they have so much mm-hmm. power over the control of information. These algorithms that control what ads you see, what, we, you know, it's just, you, back on that one. you know, it's, it's really is, it really is being in Iraq and I was in Haiti and I was, you know, got to go across the, the world almost circumnavigated the globe like three times. Almost. But I've seen psychological operations. I've seen psyops units operate. I've seen counterintelligence, um, intelligence and counterintelligence. I've seen Green Berets interrogate <coughs> priestesses down in Haiti and like break these people down. Right? I mean, just with 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 the English language and an interpreter had them like crying, like these big like uh, gangsters, you know, right. dreads like you see on the movies, like this down there. It's called the Shamir. I mean, it's bitch and Creole, but <laughs> the more you uh, know. Yeah, 
down there, man. Haiti is a, it's a man. Like we could have a whole episode on that. So it's not really a, a vacation destination for Landis. No, it could <laughs> be, man. Not. It's beautiful out in the country. I was in Port-au-Prince, which is the capital, <clears throat> and we lived in a cigarette factory that we paid five hundred thousand dollars for, and um, so we were supposed to be there for two weeks. So I'm on Air Contingency MAGTAF, which is the world's 911. If anything goes wrong in the world, that America has responsibility. And why are we responsible for Haiti? Well, because we signed a treaty in World War I, and we're responsible for uh, helping Haiti, even though we have did more to corrupt and to make them the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But that's another story. But they're not just poor just because they're a bunch of blacks from Africa. They're the first country, only country in the world that was established and founded from a slave rebellion. So it's amazing that they even have a country, but and the, the, the similarities from America, you know, in, for independence, they freed themselves from France. And uh, so we're responsible. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, pack, bags packed, two weeks. We're never going anywhere. We did this like for years. I'm never going anywhere, never going anywhere. I'm not supposed to be drinking. I'm highly intoxicated. I'm not supposed to be off base, but I'm at this big wings place doing Jaeger bombs. Nice. I get a call. Formation. Ah, oh, it's another drill. Psych. Not, not a drill. We're going to Cherry Point. Ah, oh, it's just one step further. You know, it's a drill again. We're getting on a C-17 with, you know, Humvees and <laughs> my whole platoon is here. I'm wasted. We land four hours later in Port-au-Prince, and there's people shooting at us at the oh. airport. There's cars turned over. There's logs. And... It was just, it's, it was insane, man. You, you want to talk about a government that doesn't work for its people or like uh, an example not to follow or regardless, because there's political parties down there too, but the only president to ever serve a full term is John Petron Aristide, who was the president that fled the country when I had to go down there, but during Clinton, 92 to 96, he, he did... Now, when you say this man fled the country, is it because he was pushed out by rebels or he just said, fucking, I'm out? Both. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so he... So, <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. So he was had a lot of opposition. <laughs> there was a short history. So I was there in 2004. This was the bicentennial of the country. They were found in 1804. And they're like in the middle of this, you know, political crisis uh, to the nth degree. The UN has left back in the... Two, 90s and early 2000s, the UN was there. Um, and so, anyway, when the UN pulled out, that's when the rebels took over. That's when corruption in government, the prime minister was corrupt. John Petron Aristide was a preacher. Um, some people like him, some people don't. But anyway, he was put in power by, under the Clinton administration. And uh, the only president to ever serve a full term in 200 years. You're talking political assassinations, poisonings, you're talking fled the country, went back to Africa. I mean, you name it, in 200 years, they only have one guy, and that was the guy that in, the, in the 90s. He served. He got elected again in 2000. This was two, This was February 2004. And then he went to Africa, and this country is just sitting there, and there were people, I mean, as far as you could see, man, it was, it was nuts. I mean, I saw a dude get ran over. All right, so I've got to ask a question since we got Aaron here. Okay. Now, what was the name of this group that you are where you were pretty much policing down there? Or you said at the beginning the name of y'all's group. Where at? In Haiti. Oh, the Shamir? 
Okay. That, that was the Shamir. That was the Rebels. Okay. All right, so my question is this. And you being a vet, uh, uh, thank you for your service first off. Thank you. But I, I've got to ask you this because I feel like I can get a straight answer from Aaron. Why is it America is always pretty much the police of the world? Why do we always have to jump in well, it and goes be like, to, I know this has nothing to do with libertarians, but man, I, I got to scratch this itch. It, it goes back to, it goes back to the formation of the United Nation. That, that, that was a UN mission, but the UN is peacekeeping. Mm-hmm. So there's bullets flying and that's like, there's certain chapters of hostility and that was a combat zone down there. So what do they, they send the Marines. So we're just sitting there like literally right now at Camp Lejeune, there's Marines sitting there. And they're probably drinking, not supposed to be. And they may get sent somewhere. Maybe Libya, maybe Syria, maybe it, it could be anywhere. But right. you already have Marines forward deployed, but these are places where there's not any, like in Haiti. Um, there was a, there was a small presence or occupation in the late 90s. Some Marines went. There was a naval ship. Maybe the, the 22nd U landed in Haiti. But the, the last time that, that Marines were in Haiti was during World War One. There was uh, some insurrection and stuff that happened there, and actually Smedley Butler, who um, was went from private to general, he's got two Medal of Honors. Um, he was deployed down there, and he ended up writing a book called "War as a Racket," and this is the biggest like. I mean, it's it's basically a tell-all book about how the U.S. government are no better than like mobsters and hitmen that use they operate as a corporation globally and use our military. You know, most of the time there's a geopolitical benefit for America. So it's and, about and, revenue. Yeah, it's about revenue, but it's about having peace down there in the Caribbean because. You know, maybe the government does realize that a lot of the strife that goes on down there is caused because during when, you know, 1804, we're, we're brand new. 1804, you know, could you imagine, especially the South, you know, um, heck at that time, it was just the South. You know, it was the 13, 13 original states. So could you imagine what Mississippi and Alabama and them were, were thinking when slaves had their own country, like back maybe during the Civil War or maybe Antebellum America when, you know, they they basically sanctioned them and didn't do any kind of trading or, you know, help them out at all. So they were just basically blackballed by France and all the European powers, but also America, which is their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And we did the same thing to Cuba, but you know, these, these these countries were you know that was France. Dominican Republic was uh, Spanish, so they speak French. It's it's, it's majority African in Haiti. It's like ninety nine percent African descendants of slaves. They speak French Creole, and then the other half of the island, and they hate each other. They're more uh, Spanish. They speak Spanish. But they're uh, Indian and some Afro-centric people, but majorities like Spanish descent. So like they hate each other. So they're not doing any business with each other either. 
a lot of it's like black market, but America, just like in Afghanistan right now, we've been there for 20, we got kids in Afghanistan that weren't even born when mm-hmm. we first went over. That's insane. That's not what our military is supposed to do. As a libertarian, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some people are isolationists. Some people, you know, believe that we ought to be out abroad. I, me personally, I believe we ought, ought to have a huge Navy. You know, I don't mind us having a big Navy. Do we have to have the, a Navy that's more advanced, more well-funded than the next nine or 15 navies? I mean, but whoever has the strongest Navy, back to the Romans, is the world's hegemon. That's period. So period. right now that'd be China, correct? No. Now we have the... Now, they say in the last year China has surpassed us with as far as No, they have one aircraft Navy. carrier. Are you sure about that? Yeah. They only have one? Mm-hmm. Look it up. Why the hell they only got one? I mean, they may have built a couple in the last year or so. This, was, this is like within the year. One aircraft carrier, nuclear aircraft carrier. We have 10. Jesus. So we spend more on military than the next nine countries combined in the top 10. Okay. And that's even with China having two-thirds the amount of people that we have. That's going to wrap it up for this episode uh, for the Libertarian Movement. It's good and refreshing to know that, you know, there is a, a party that where you can kind of get the best of both worlds with Democrats and Republicans and we kind of meet in the middle for the greater good of the our country. And I'd like to thank Aaron for coming in and pretty much breaking it down for us. Thank you, Aaron. Thank, thank you. Thank you all for having me. Hey, there is a there is an elected libertarian in Mississippi. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Really? Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's uh, Rick McCluskey's dad, Steve McCluskey. Really, He's Steve? Mayor, Mayor oh, yeah, McClain. that's right. He did Mayor run McClain. as a libertarian. Really? What? I so forgot going to start that. at the local level, and then I think that once people realize that we're not, you know, your buddy's not the boogeyman. That yeah. You can't you can agree on things um, outside of these social issues that are used as political footballs to keep us divided. It's in all by design. It's all intentional. And they use the media. They use identity politics. Uh, and they make money off of it. That's a big business. Identity politics and uh, selling Trump gear and, you know. Uh, Get you the Trump hat. <laughs> Not really, though. <laughs> Biden Biden shirts. And, I mean, it's it's really people have to feel like they're a cheerleader, though. It's like sports. You know, it's, it's a cheaper version. But it's still the same thing. You know, you want your team to win. If your team holds, I wasn't holding, you know, it's kind of the the wearing blinders. Well, that's going to pretty much wrap it up. Daryl, you want to tell the folks at home how they can reach us on the website and let us know uh, if they got any comments they want us to hit on or if any subjects they want us to talk about in the future or if they just want us to us kiss our ass. (laughs) Yeah, just go to anchor.fm slash generation exiled. Uh, you can click the support button to support for as low as 99 cents a month, or you can click message and send us a message there. You can also find us on Facebook at Generation Exile. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Generation Exile. See you next time. See you later. Thank you for listening to Generation Exile. Please go to our website, anchor.fm slash Generation Exile. Click on the support button. Become a sponsor today. Help us support the podcast. Trust me, every little bit helps. You'll get a shout out on our show. If you'd like to have a commercial on our show, 
please click message or email us at generationexiled at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Make sure you like and share the page. That's at Generation Exiled. See you guys next time.